0: Come on
1: everybody! Here we go! Up <laughs> to Neverland! Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to Season 5 of Every Version Ever. I can't believe we've hit 5 years this year. That just seems wild to me. To kick things off this year, we're starting with Peter Pan. And obviously, starting out with Peter Pan, you kind of have to start with Disney. And because we're starting with Disney, for the next couple of months, we're not just talking about the films. We've got so much Disney spin off media to cover as well. From the sequel to the remake to a couple of thinly connected spin off series, film and TV, there's so much Disney Peter Pan material, and we're gonna cover it all. So today, we're starting things off with arguably the most famous version of all. Walt Disney's 1953 adaptation of Peter Pan starring Bobby Driscoll and Catherine Beaumont. Joining me for this one, as well as a bunch of the episodes following, is Stanford Clark. I knew from listening to the podcast he hosts with Rachel Wagner, the Talking Disney Podcast, that Peter Pan was Stanford's favorite Disney film growing up, so he was always my first choice to join me for this series. This was one of your favorites as a kid, right?
0: Yes. And it still still is.
1: I, I think I remember watching this maybe once or twice as a kid, but it wasn't one we had, and it wasn't one we borrowed from the library multiple times. So this was, I mean, the songs, obviously, I had, because we had Disney albums that I listened to to death, so I was far more familiar with the music than I was with the story. Mm-hmm. So it was almost fresh going in this time for this podcast, but I did recognize a bunch of things as I went. So, how old were you when you first watched it
0: so i'm trying to remember i think uh i was trying to figure that out because i was probably under the age of five or six but you know i mean i'm an old man uh let's just be true truthful <laughs> but, but i i saw it in the theater in a re-release
1: I was gonna say you're not quite old enough to have seen it in the theater when it was made. I don't think.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I definitely wasn't either. Uh, <laughs> but maybe it was maybe the second re-release. I've I, you know I looked at the some someone out on Wikipedia. Spo you know, put the, the dates of when they did a theatrical re-release. It seemed to me, if I'm not mistaken, Jonathan, that Disney was on a like every seven years they would re-release that
1: from from. Probably back when I was a teenager, there was, like, something people talk about, seven-year. Yeah. They
0: like, re-released but, the but, oh, they were, I think they were
1: talking about DVDs, but I think that came from theatrical, too.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I had a golden book of the Disney, you know, Peter Pan, as well as one of those uh, records. Uh, I had a ton of these records, Jonathan. And I think that, you know, they, I don't know if they make anything similar anymore uh that you'd you know it would be a, somewhere on streaming but it was a storybook and yeah mm-hmm. uh, you'd hear the tinkerbell chimes and that's when you turn the page uh but you know it, it had a narrator and it would read it would read exactly what was in the book but um I mean who knows how many thousands of times yeah, <laughs> uh, uh you know I listened to that so definitely saw it in the theater but it was it was the the, the golden book and that and that little um story that read along storybook that wow i just love love loved it
1: yeah we had some we i we didn't have this but we at least i don't think we did we had when i was a kid we had a record player and i remember i think it was like from a garage sale or something there was a pile of really old falling apart records yeah (laughs) like the cases were falling apart Mm -hmm. so we had some we had some of that probably from the same series that you had but much older when I had it. And also tapes. I would borrow the tapes from the library. Okay. I don't remember if there was one for Peter Pan, but I remember like Fox and the Hound and even the animated segment of Song of the South. I remember listening to that as a book on tape. Yeah. Because I was familiar a little bit with the animated portion, but I I had I'd have never seen the movie when I did Song of the South for the podcast. So I'm I'm pretty sure it was from a book on tape, probably from that same series because that your me. Yeah,
0: I think we also had it on a uh, so at least some of the songs on on an LP because we had some Disney like you know big big albums. Mm-hmm. uh It's my favorite ride at Disneyland. I mean, it was. I, I mean, that started as I was a young child. My, uh I went to Disneyland, I believe, for the first time when I was five. And although I grew up in Salt Lake City, my dad had a lot of business in Southern California, and so. He'd often just take the family, and 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 you know one of the things we do is we would go to Disneyland, and mm-hmm. uh, you know that Peter Pan ride. Not only do they play the background music from the movie in the in the queue, then of course you know the songs are included within within the attraction, and it's a super short ride. You know it's like two two and a half minutes, but they're like the two and the, they're like my favorite two and a, two and a half minutes at Disneyland. <laughs> you know <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> but again, I think I think that was also another thing, you know, because um, they really took it just just really took. Because when I was a kid, it's just like the perfect amount of of adventure. Uh, I loved you know I love the songs, I love the character designs, and just everything was just about it. just you know it's just one of those things that is, is so appealing, and it always has been. So in a way, it's kind of indescribable, <laughs> you know, because it's just always been there. It seems like
1: yeah, w- watching it this time. I found myself kind of conflicted because on the one hand it was very enjoyable, but on the other hand, I kind of only really liked Wendy and maybe her brothers a little bit. (laughs) Everybody else, everybody else was kind of annoying. Yeah. Although I did think Tinkerbell's attitude was hilarious.
0: Yeah. Tinkerbell's so sassy that it's pretty, you know, it's funny. I think Uh yeah, as an adult and I agree with you, no one's really (laughs) (laughs) likable.
1: Which I wasn't expecting. I don't know why. It's been a while since I've seen any version of Peter Pan, so I didn't remember him being so full of himself.
0: Yeah. See, yeah, he's he's so arrogant, and, uh-huh. uh, but hey, he can fly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I think that flying sequence over London initially, you know, or that, that whole "You Can Fly" song, uh, yeah, song and, and sequence uh, is my favorite. And and anytime that there were even scenes of it or you know, clips really made me happy. I remember seeing it like an opening of one of the iterations of, of the Wonderful World of Disney, which we'd watch faithfully in my you know in my home when I was growing up mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday nights. That there was just like a small clip of of of, of you know Peter Pan and, and and Wendy, John and Michael flying over London and. That always just made me happy, do, Even though it was just like three seconds or something, <laughs> still I love. Yeah, I just loved it.
1: Yeah, it's a great scene. I can't
0: remember. I mean, again, it someone's got it documented uh, on the internet when this came out on home video. Uh, but that was a happy day. I remember just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I believe you know I own a copy of Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I suppose. Like I've, I've never been, at least that I can remember, in a world where you couldn't just own the movies you liked. So that yeah. would have been a very cool development to be able yeah, to buy. Yeah, it, a, a it was
0: a happy thing, absolutely.
1: Well, I suppose we can talk about the cast. We have Bobby Driscoll as Peter Pan.
0: Yeah, a Disney Disney, uh, kind of a Disney regular in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, he did a lot. Of, like I, I'm, I've been surprised going through the canon how many times he's shown up yeah i remembered him in a couple things but he was like right for a while he was in like every other movie
0: yeah oh he's in a ton of stuff i mean the song of the south right
1: yeah so dear to my heart treasure island he was also in i can't remember which one it was the Pegos bill segment of one of the package films i i get those mixed yeah. up which whether it's make mine music or melody time it was it
0: was me- it's melody time okay I yeah, I think I'm maybe getting uh him confused with with another actor. But anyway, is he pervasive? Like, you know, mm-hmm. the Walt Disney used used him a lot, not wanting to be such a downer, but you know, I think he had a pretty tragic yeah. life. Yeah. Which was sad.
1: After well, it wasn't this his last one.
0: Uh you know, I'm looking at his I'm looking at his IMDB page and he looks like he did quite a bit of TV work
1: well i mean his last for disney
0: oh for disney uh i believe yeah it looked like peter pan was his last for disney yeah Mm -hmm. and i thought
1: he's i I really liked his performance
0: yeah peter pan
1: yeah he was great yeah and apparently he was not actually the first choice though they were actually going to go with somebody who'd done the stage version mary martin because it's always been like a tradition that peter pan is played by a female and he wanted mary martin first apparently you know
0: have you ever seen that that Mary Martin version of Peter Pan that's one we had that album too because it was I believe it was on Broadway or they might have done an original production and they put it for TV like a live kind of like the way what NBC does these days uh mm-hmm. where they'll do a live show you know, I know they've done Grease and Hairspray and Jesus Christ Superstar and some others but we had that album as well, and it's got just terrific music. It's by Julie Stein, Mary Martin's so good. And uh, and the guy who played Captain Hook is very memorable. I remember. But anyway, so that I think maybe could have influenced my love of the story too, mm-hmm. because I can't remember when I saw that TV production for the for the first time, but I remember the album. That's interesting that disney was going to hire mary martin
1: apparently that was his first choice
0: she's very good in the in the you know in that stage production
1: mm-hmm. but yeah i'm glad they ultimately went with bobby driscoll me he, too i
0: think that was a better choice
1: he just has a perfect voice for this yeah then we have catherine beaumont as wendy yeah and again she gets she's a bit of a regular
0: in her own way right with alice in wonderland
1: yeah she didn't do quite as much as bobby driscoll did but she's a disney staple even yeah even with just the two big roles that she had she's yeah iconic
0: exactly very memorable and i think perfect she just aces it
1: mm-hmm. and then as captain hook was hans conreed oh yeah and apparently this is another one where. Disney didn't get his first choice. Apparently the role was first offered to Cary Grant. <laughs> wow.
0: That would have been interesting. I sure think Hans Conried was perfect.
1: Yes. No, yeah, he was, he was too. Yeah. And of course, he also did George Darling, because there's the, another tradition with the stage play. Yes. To have Hook and the father be played by the same.
0: Yeah, be the same actor. Uh, yeah. I... I love that about this and you know that they kept that tradition in the in this animated in the anime disney animated one too Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now bill thompson who plays mr smee see Mm. i love his his voice as well i think he did a few things for disney too i'm just again looking at the uh, the main
1: one i know him from is the white rabbit from alice in wonderland yes he he probably did other things but like his voice when i hear it i hear the white rabbit
0: you hear the white rabbit oh yeah sure. absolutely well, he he played uh, Doc, the 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 bull terrier in Lady and the Tramp, hmm. and also was King Hubert in Sleeping Beauty.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: which you know, versatile,
1: a different cadence.
0: <laughs> yes, but I sure love his performances, Mister Smith too. That's just one of those. There was a part of that album, you know, there that that, that read along, or maybe it was the, the LP again. I, I, I can't remember. But as a child. But they had actual like audio clips from the movie that would be like three minutes long. They have one of those. One of them was the first scene where we meet Captain Hook and Mister Smee in, in in Neverland, and just hearing both of their both of their voices, just you know, wow, so great.
1: Most of the other main characters are voiced by people I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I don't know my if you voice. would. Yeah, we have Heather Angel as Mary Darling. Paul Collins as John Darling, Tommy Lusk as Michael Darling. But with him, I looked him up. His only other role was young pansy in Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he was the flower that went, I think she's pretty.
0: <laughs> you know, I meant to look, but I wonder if he's, is, do you think he could be like the son of of, of Hamilton Lusk?
1: I'm not sure.
0: I think Hamilton was a, an animator and a director at Disney, It was Disney Animation. But anyway, it just a he is Yep, it was is his he? Son. Okay, yeah. I want. I wondered about yeah.
1: So a little nepotism in there. Yeah, some nepotism. <laughs> going on. But he has a good voice, so though. Oh, he's well.
0: adorable. You know, it's just yeah, he's so cute. I like John and Michael. Well, I think yeah. my favorite little Michael. I guess you know Tommy Lusk is during the "You Can Fly" song and. In the, uh, the film, Michael grabs Tinkerbell and, and uh, shakes Pixie Dust on Nana the dog. Mm-hmm. And then he says, come on, Nana. <laughs> <laughs> that anyway. was one
1: of the things that I remember the most. I think that audio was still in on the soundtrack uh-huh. because it was one of the things that just was completely stuck in my head. And it's probably because I listened to the music more than I watched the movie. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's probably par for the course with most Disney films I listen to the music a lot more than I watch the the movies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know I noticed in 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 again just off of IMDb and and I didn't know that this and maybe he's listed in the credits but Mel Blanc uh is the voice of Nana but he's I know he's uncredited hmm.
1: I didn't I didn't catch that one so that's well, interesting I-
0: how much does Nana like bark? Or I guess she barks. Not some. a whole lot. It's but not a lot.
1: She's not a main character because she's gone after the after they leave. She's not in right. the rest of it. Yeah, so
0: she, you never you never until see her the back. End. But um June Foray also. Yeah.
1: And Candy Candido as the chief. Yes. He has, he
0: has a great voice. He's got such a distinctive voice, yeah.
1: And then the other person that really stood out or people. I don't know them, except for, I guess, one of them, the Mellow Men. Yeah. They were the chorus for both the Pirates and the Indians. hmm And I guess Thurl Ravenscroft was part of them, but I didn't realize that.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Or, I mean, if I did, I forgot. See, I love that. I, I love the, the, those uh, vocal mm-hmm. ensembles, too, in the film. Yeah. Starting with the opening credits.
1: <laughs> I love, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. That girl that sings this, the second start of the ride.
1: Yeah, that's one of the iconic Disney songs now. Yeah. Well, I guess we can just get into the movie. I'm curious to know what you make of the statement, all this has happened before and it will all happen again. How do you interpret that?
0: So, you know, I interpret it as, you know, Peter Pan is this fantasy figure that, happens to you know there were that a lot of child or children experience and i think that based on the end of the movie how mr darling is looking at the ship you know the cloud the the cloud formation that looks like the ship and and he's wrecking and he's saying you know i think you know i recognize that from you know long ago when i was young and Mm -hmm. so i just interpreted it as it's this you know ongoing fantasy that's a happy thing, you know, for kids. And it and and it happened to Mr. You know, it happened to Mr. Darling. He just had forgotten. He was so busy being an adult, you know, that he had he had forgotten about it. and it some of the joys of of imagination and and childhood. Okay, that's that's the that's the stand the Stanford interpretation. <laughs> how do you how do you see it?
1: Well, that I feel like that was one option. The other option is that, like, I don't know how literally the statement should be taken like did everything happen to Wendy exactly the same way as it happened for everyone else like did the same events play out or did she just have her own unique adventure she was just taken away to neverland like other kids in the past because i would prefer it to be that i, I don't want the i don't want to think about the adventure repeating but i that was the first thing that popped in my head was like wait does this mean that this is just like a repeat of something this this exact scenario happened to another kid before. Yeah, that's a really cool that's a really good point.
0: I ha- I hadn't thought of it in that way, but I like that I like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess I would prefer them to each get their own unique adventure. Right.
0: Their own unique time with with, with Peter Pan and Neverland and you know whatever other characters they come across, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm also wondering Like, in in our world, of course, we all know who Peter Pan is because of this story, but I'm wondering, is the the fact, like, everybody knows who Peter Pan is. Is he just, do they know about him because he just visits lots of kids, or is he just sort of, like, folklore in their world?
0: You know, another fine question (laughs) (laughs) that you (laughs) pose. You have to ponder that. I don't know my first reaction is folklore you know because it's just all through the stories Mm -hmm. at least that's how it's portrayed you know in this film Mm -hmm. but I like that idea
1: well after the opening narration we're introduced to the family and (laughs) like I don't care for Mr Darling as a character but I did think it was kind of hilarious that he is introduced as a practical man And then he's screaming at his wife that if he can't find his cufflinks, we're not going to the party. And if we don't go to the party, I can never show my face in the office again.
0: (laughs) I know. That's quite the (laughs) dramatic. (laughs) You know, one of the things that I love about that opening sequence is its use of shadows. Mm, Because that's such an uh, important initially of how we meet Peter Pan, although the shadow never comes up again. You know, after Wendy yeah. back on, <laughs> yeah. but but uh, I just I just love that. How I thought it was just a very uh, clever narrative narrative device and just beautiful art. Uh, you know how their Mister and Mister Darling are coming in and out of shadows. They're getting ready for their you know their night out.
1: Yeah, I never really thought about that in connection to the shadow as the character yeah but it is interesting
0: yeah i don't know if it was you know a precursor or what you necessarily what they were thinking it just seems like it's probably related somehow uh you know but again i don't of course specifically what
1: yeah then you have a scene with john and michael playing pirates and nana tidying the nursery <laughs>
0: yes
1: and i i love how nana looks Shocked and offended when John calls Michael an insolent pop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think Nana is just one of the best characters. <laughs> she's great, yeah. I just think, what a great dog. You know, yeah, she's tidying up. She's putting the blocks all back together. Stuff. So she's pouring in their medicine or <laughs> whatever they have to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's great.
1: And they've also turned one of George's shirts into a treasure map.
0: Yes, which she
1: is furious about.
0: She's so ticked.
1: <laughs> and you meet Wendy in this scene too. She's the one who has told them these stories that they're acting out. And because of everything that's happening, the dad is just furious at everything, and he decides to kick Wendy out of the nursery.
0: Yeah, Wendy's gotta. She's gotta grow up, mm-hmm. according to Mister Darling
1: yes and in his fury he trips around the nursery falling all over the room trampling nana and everyone runs to her leaving him (laughs) even more furious poor (laughs) nana (laughs) and he decides that nana needs to live outside now and everyone is upset and the mother to me, she shouldn't defend him, but she tells them not to judge their father too harshly. After all, he loves you very much. I'm like, well, he didn't show it very much in this scene.
0: Yeah, I say it's kind of tough love.
1: But I also loved Michael in this. He pulls out the missing cufflinks. Mother buried treasure. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is such a perfect little kid thing to do.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, such, it's so well animated, you know, just this little face. And then he puts his, <laughs> his hand out. That's really cute. <laughs> I also love how that scene, you know, it's it's introducing us to all the characters. And as you said, not so much that any of them are particularly likable, but I thought it was really a, a compact or a good way mm-hmm. to introduce the family.
1: Yeah, and it
0: is. I think it just moves itself along briskly and just does just does a fine fine job. Again, mm-hmm. just the you know the Disney story and animation teams that you know at their at their best. Yeah, in, in my opinion, yeah,
1: it it really gives you a feel for who the characters are.
0: Yeah, and while the dad is threatening, I never feel like Mr. Darling is. I mean, it's too bad you know that Wendy gets banished and Nana has to go outside. But or, or I mean, Wendy when gets you know not, not necessarily banished, but you know <laughs> he's going to get moved out of the nursery. Um, but it seems like mr darling is i never and he never scared me i guess i should say he seemed like a very you know definite father figure but mm-hmm. but uh Captain hook on the other hand i think yeah. is was a little bit scary just because he's so unhinged you know but, <laughs> yeah yeah
1: unhinged we'll is a good that. descriptor for him yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the mother is putting them all to bed and Wendy tells her mother that she has Peter Pan's shadow because he'd apparently left it behind. The, the, this is where, you know, this is a different time because at this point, the parents leave <laughs> the kids are in bed and they leave the house.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that's
1: a little different. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, you know, with, with Wendy, I mean, with Nana outside, you know, and Wendy, you know, I guess her last night in the nursery. Anyway. Yeah, I'm with you. Different, <laughs> different, <laughs> different
1: time. And as they're leaving, Mary tries to tell George about the shadow, but he just says that she's as bad as they are. Says no wonder Wendy gets all these idiotic ideas. And then the camera pans up to reveal that Peter Pan is watching them leave.
0: Yeah, again, a really great thing is they're walking off to the party, and then just immediately pans up, and Peter Pan's on the ro- you know on the roof. Yeah, and. I love that opening shot of Peter Pan, how he's got kind of those raccoon eyes. And I don't know necessarily what that was. I'm almost like as if it were a mask, but it's still, I think it's cool. You know, I think that animation's cool.
1: I never thought about it as raccoon eyes, but now that you say that, it is a good descriptor for that scene. Yeah. You also have the little flute noise oh yeah or, that kind the kind of the signals pan, him. right the pan
0: the pan flute or yeah. yeah the pan flute thank you <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> which is the perfect instrument to give him since that oh, is his exactly. name exactly
0: that's his name
1: and there peter pan is there with tinkerbell looking with for tinkerbell. her shadow and he tells her to look in its den <laughs> for the shadow the doghouse
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: And it's not there, but she eventually finds it in a drawer and <laughs> after getting distracted by her own reflection, <laughs> and then she's accidentally trapped there as Peter Pan is trying to catch the shadow.
0: I love Tinkerbell's arrogance, you know, or just yes. her, her vanity is, yeah. is so great. And then, I mean, cause she's basically just vain and jealous, but then she, you know, she gets a chance to be heroic, but, uh, but i think that's fun you know that she doesn't need to be just some perfect yeah character that we just that we love because she's so virtuous or whatever you know <laughs> I think yeah because she's just so sassy
1: it'll be interesting to see her characterization in her standalone movies because i haven't watched any of them myself i think katie and i are going to do either one podcast or, like, a series of podcasts on those, depending on what she wants to do, because Katie grew up with them, because she's yeah. even younger than I am, so she was, like, the perfect age when they came out.
0: Oh, yeah. So... It will be great to get her perspective on them, too.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm just curious on how different Tinkerbell is, because from what I've seen, she lo- doesn't seem like she would be the same sassy, arrogant she's, character here.
0: She's very different, you know? And I haven't watched all of those. I've watched... um I don't know, maybe two or three that um I've covered with some of the stuff you know I've done with Rachel's reviews. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's patient with me because I don't really care for I don't really care for <laughs> <laughs> But it's not so much that it's that it's a deviation of because I I feel like her character is very different than than how how she is portrayed in Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, she's still pretty cute and sassy and spunky, just maybe not as vain or mean
1: <laughs> or, or murderous <laughs> yeah murderous <laughs> <That's> true <laughs> so at this point Wendy wakes up and finds Peter trying to stick his shadow on with soap for some reason <laughs> you
0: know, I was just trying to figure out like why I mean I guess because he's just he doesn't know he's just you know grabbing the first thing he sees or something
1: I was thinking, I'd question his logic, but I should also question the logic of losing a shadow in the first place, so. (laughs) (laughs) And then Wendy says the shadow has to be sewn back on. And I remember when I watched this as a kid, I thought that was a horrible, painful idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that, yeah. Exactly. Does sound painful?
1: So Tinkerbell is stuck in the drawer where Wendy's sewing supplies are, and she ends up getting launched back into a pile of them when Wendy gets her stuff out of there. <laughs> and I love yeah. when she turns red. She looks absolutely oh, vicious in this scene. She looks <laughs>
0: so great when she turns red. It's so great because it's just it's fully panamed, right? It's yeah. This great animation. I believe it was Mark Davis.
1: Does that sound right? Who was the you know? It sounds right but I also I'd, Tinkerbell. I'd have to look it up to be sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it, regardless, great performance in and that uh, that scene in that scene in the drawer is 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 terrific.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like didn't, wasn't there like some behind the scenes footage of like they set up a scene like that with real props for for somebody Yeah, I've to... seen
0: I seems like I've seen pictures uh, of that where, you know, somebody was modeling a sinker bell and they had, yeah, set up like a the like a little, I don't know if it's a jewelry box or, you know, whatever. I don't know if they had made the giant scissors. <laughs> but but there was, yeah, it seems like they, I agree with you. I think that they, and, and that maybe it would, in a way it was rotoscoped. Well,
1: I, I don't know that they rotoscoped her, but I think that they used footage. it. Yeah, I just yeah. looked up. It's Margaret Carey. Margaret she, Carey, okay. She was was, a live action reference for both Tinkerbell and a Mermaid. Okay. And actually June Foray was one of the live action references for the mermaids too.
0: Oh, all right. And you know, Margaret Carey is still alive. And she she shows up at like Disney fan events and stuff and talks about That's uh, cool. Which is pretty cool. Yeah.
1: apparently she also voiced one of the mermaids.
0: Margaret Carey. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Apparently she was her latest movie credit was in 2020. She was in a short film. She doesn't do a whole lot, but apparently she did something called Before There Were Rings, and she played Nana.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: I don't know what that is. It's just on her Wikipedia page.
0: You know, and on her IMDB page, there are scenes, you know, actually, she does have giant scissors. And, like, there's a picture of her getting stuck in the keyhole of the drawer.
1: Yeah, they build a bunch of props for her.
0: That's very fun to see. I haven't seen that I haven't seen that for a long time
1: oh yeah that's
0: one of her being a mermaid and Bobby just Bobby Driscoll as Peter Pan
1: oh yeah these pictures are great this is what I remembered seeing
0: well I've heard her at a presentation like with a at a d23 event or something and she's very charming I think the fans really like her a lot just because she's very you know very approachable and and how well, I mean, what a cool experience she you know, provided mm-hmm. being uh, being the, the live action reference for Tinkerbell.
1: It would be really cool if, like, I don't know how much of this, I'm sure some of it still exists, if they would put, like, try to put together some sort of a, not like, a, I don't know if a production reel is the right word, but like put the movie together, but only with behind the scenes footage and storyboards and stuff like all of these pictures or whatever footage and put something together. Cause that would just be really cool to watch. Oh, absolutely. Cause I know there are other movies that they've done that for where in some cases, and I don't know which ones they've almost shot the whole movie live action, but like on sound stages with minimal backgrounds, but with props and then use that as the basis for what they're animating. Yeah not necessarily rotoscoping but just right. watching the footage just having a reference
0: yeah. yeah a live action reference there's also i believe that i don't i think margaret's written at least one book i think she's referenced in another book i don't know if it was minnie johnson somebody wrote a book about Tinkerbell, like kind of the evolution of the disney character mm-hmm. and I believe it came out around the same time as one maybe maybe the original Tinkerbell direct video or you know Disney toon studios
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh film
1: interesting
0: yeah the because the, the, again I I I saw it as a like a, a D23 presentation or something I don't know how Tinkerbell went from you know kind of this vain sassy thing to really kind of like I mean again, she's yeah, so iconic. Particularly, I mean, like, with the uh, speaking of the opening of the Wonderful World of Disney TV show, you know, she flies in and waves her wand, smiles, all smiles, and then you know, at, at Disneyland, they're uh, classically the, at the at the nighttime fireworks show, they have they have someone dressed up as that the, There's a wire, and she flies over the castle. Mm. You know, they, she she literally fly from the top of the Matterhorn. You know, they got they've got this actress, you know, person in a harness, mm-hmm. and then and it flies from the Matterhorn over the castle and onto this landing post somewhere in Frontierland. If I'm not mistaken, or Fantasyland. <laughs> anyway, it was a child's favorite. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, the Tinkerbell." You know, they they put all these spotlights on her, and
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: it's super cool. But again, that's just like the Tinkerbell we love rather than this vein. <laughs>
1: Scornful. Well, I think I, I can't remember where I heard this. I, it was probably on a podcast somewhere because I listened to so many podcasts, but they were talking about Tinkerbell and the opening of the wonderful world of Disney, like the original TV series with Walt yeah. Disney. And the reason... One of the reasons that she's so popular today is because of her use in that show, mm-hmm. but they only used her in that show because they weren't sure that the show was going to be a hit, and they didn't want to use Mickey in or one of the iconic Disney characters just in case the show was going to tank. They didn't want to like associate one of their f- most favorite characters with a show that could potentially fail, so they were like, well, we've got this newer character that she's not used for a whole lot but she would make a good mascot so we'll use her and then she eventually because of that became an icon that's so cool yeah
0: and i think she's still represented today you know um even in that new disney 100 logo that they're putting in front of uh their films there's still that stream of uh, pixie dust i believe it's still a representation of tinkerbell
1: yeah i think I don't remember for sure, but I feel like when I was a kid, there was a, a version of the logo that had her fly in and put put the pixie yeah. dust over the castle.
0: Oh, absolutely! I think that there there been multiple v- versions of it, uh, mm-hmm. and in the you know again, this is before my time, but I've seen it in reruns and you know whatnot. And I think some of this is even on Disney Plus now. But when Walt Disney did his Disneyland show. Which was in 1954, and it was really introducing America to the theme park. Mm-hmm. And, but so, but the beginning talks about the the different lands, you know, Adventureland, Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, and Tinkerbell is represented. I just can s- picture her in like some kind of Native American gear you know, for frontier Land. and <laughs> and uh, I can't remember where she is in Adventureland, but anyway, she's like she's like the star of that of the show's opening.
1: Mm-hmm. credits or sequence i think that that might have been the show that i'm thinking of like the very first use of her as a mascot yeah,
0: yeah.
1: anyways back to the movie
0: <laughs> yeah back to the movie i digress <laughs> sorry to get us so often
1: no that's fine that's what podcasts are for
0: that's right yeah.
1: but this this scene was where i first got the inkling that I hadn't remembered Peter Pan correctly because he was annoying me in this scene, the way he kept shutting Wendy down and telling her girls talk too much. And he just seemed, I don't know, annoying. Like he he's, it's not just that he's full of himself. He just seems to not care about her, except for the fact that he likes listening to her tell stories about him. Yeah. That's the reason that he's there.
0: Yeah. I mean, Peter Pan is such a narcissist. (laughs) He really
1: is. (laughs) But this is where she tells him that there will be no more stories because she's moving out of the nursery. So he insists that she come back to Neverland with him and be mother to him and the lost boys. And of course, she wants to go with him, but she hesitates. And then she kind of. Talks herself around and then decides that she wants to give him a kiss, which enrages Tinkerbell. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. She just goes ballistic.
1: <laughs> she, the, it, I guess the anger, the burst of anger was what she needed because she grabs the scissors and pries the drawer yeah, open. Yeah. <laughs> it,
0: it gets her out of her predicament <laughs> so that she can
1: escape and yank Wendy back from Peter Pan. Yeah. So Peter starts chasing her, waking up John and Michael who are, of course, really excited to see him because he's, like, to him, he would be, like, the equivalent of somebody today seeing their favorite movie character. <laughs> like, yes. kids going to Disneyland and seeing Mickey Mouse or Winnie the Pooh.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I did like, though, how John tried to, like, retain an air of propriety. <laughs> <laughs> I love how John puts on his top hat, and, you know, <laughs> and, and then
0: takes his umbrella, but he's still, like, in his nightshirt. You know? Yes.
1: <laughs> So Wendy tells them that Peter is taking them to Neverland, which he kind of balks at because he only wanted her. But Wendy insists and he gives in. So they're all going now. And of course, this leads to you can fly, which is like to me, it's like the most iconic thing from the movie. Probably yeah, because I, I listen to the song so much, but the animation in this scene is just great.
0: It is. It's 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 a perfect scene and it's just kind of captures I think the magic. Of Disney animation, and um, yeah, it, it, I agree with you. It, it's 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 just it's the, the most iconic scene. I think it's the best scene of the movie mm-hmm. too. Yeah, for sure. It's the one that has the most repeatability factor. Yeah. for me, and also really, it's just the basis of the Disneyland ride. Because mm. um, in the Disneyland ride, you know, spo- spoiler alert for you, but uh, <laughs> you're in a you're in a pirate ship. You're your own little kind of personal pirate ship. But the ride mechanism is above is above the ship, and so it's as if you're flying over the scenes, and okay, and you fly through the Darling Nursery and over, you know, Moonlit London, and then Flower Neverland, and it's just pretty much the best. You know, <laughs> you feel like you're in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like you're in that scene, and and I really, I just, I just love how they you know, we're able to capture that. Yeah. They meaning the ride, you know, the those early Disneyland ride designers.
1: The Imagineers. The Imagineers. <laughs> Another thing that I like about this sequence is the things that are on screen that contribute to the soundtrack. Probably because I listen to it so much, but I like that like you have Peter Pan's flute, but also things like The fish chomps. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the new that came to mind
0: (laughs) (laughs) the fish chomps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that too. And you know, big band, the big band chimes. I love that.
1: Yeah. The scene with them on the clock is great.
0: Yeah, it's magic. Yeah.
1: I have another question to say what you think. What is Neverland? (laughs) Is it supposed to be like another planet? or another dimension because it's like you have to go through space to get there but yeah. it's like an island but the island is also surrounded by water so is outer space water or is it just some water around the island that turns into space <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know that's a really good point i think in my so i think subliminally i feel like it's another dimension
1: I, I that think that it, it takes, probably is too.
0: That takes some time to get there, and it seems to me that when you first were introduced to Neverland, are there stars floating around it in the film? I know, I think in, so, because you you go
1: the, into space, and then yeah, it, the you have kind of I don't know, hazy, cloudy. Yeah, it appears out of somewhere, but yeah, there are there are stars.
0: In the Disneyland ride again. Sorry, I just keep repeating it, but I feel like it's a it's a good representation of what we're seeing, you know, on screen.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and the Disneyland attraction, there are stars, and it's as if it's floating in space. Okay, uh, but there's still, you know, there's water, and yeah. uh, and you know, and whatnot, and then you, you know, you, you see the pirate ship and the, and the mermaid lagoon. Yeah, but you you bring up a very again. All these excellent questions. <laughs> these are...
1: <laughs> sometimes I think about things too much.
0: <laughs> no, I like it. It's, it's, it's terrific. I wish I had better answers because I think sometimes <laughs> I take some of this stuff for granted. Because again, it's just like it's always just been there in my you know mm-hmm. in my in, in my life, and so I'm just like oh yeah, there it is. Just you know, it's just there. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but yeah, but where really where where is it? And and and, and you know what is it? I get because I also feel like, too, that it's because it's uh, the whole thing I feel like is, you know, it's just imagination and fantasy. Mm -hmm. So it could just be basically anywhere. But it's still fun that there's some kind of directions on how you'd get there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows truly where the second star to the right is? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how many stars are there? (laughs) But. I, I just love how it's, you know, they're the two brightest ones. So I guess, I guess whatever the fantasy construct is, it worked, it worked in my little childhood brain and it continues to this day.
1: I just remembered another thing that I thought, thought to probably too, too long on. You mentioned it earlier before, but like the scene with Michael when he grabs Tinkerbell to sprinkle Nana with pixie dust. Yeah. After they left, I was like, how long did Nana have to float at the end of the know, before I she came back
0: idea. down? <laughs> like, I hope Nana wasn't there, like, floating, you know, uh, kind of upside down <laughs> for hours. And could can, can Nana really have, you know, the faith and trust that it requires? <laughs> you know, I was just the thinking dust? that,
1: because I didn't think of that at the time, but I literally was just thinking of that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so after you get to Neverland, you're introduced to the pirates. Of course, you get the I, another iconic song, A Pirate's Life, for me here. Oh, yeah. I had forgotten that all of the pirates, they kind of don't really like Captain Hook. Exactly. Like, they're all really annoyed with him because yeah. he has this vendetta for Peter Pan.
0: Right, and they want to go to sea. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Loot, pillage, slit throats, yeah, all the piratey wants- things. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember that from me again from my childhood as we want to go to sea, see
1: <laughs> and you're you get hook obsessing over Peter Pan, deciding that the only way to get to him is to kidnap the Indian chief's daughter, Tiger Lily. Because apparently the Indians like they go to battle with the lost boys, but you find out later that it's they're it's more like they're friends and they're playing a yeah. game. It's, so, it's
0: it's kinda like they're frenemies and they're just you know, they're just <laughs> playing a game every day, right?
1: <laughs> I didn't think of it in that term. <laughs> yeah, frenemies is probably a good a good phrase for it. <laughs> but yeah, he's decided that if anybody knows where Peter Pan lives, it's gonna be Tiger Lily. So that's his plan. He's gonna find her, kidnap her, and force her to tell. And also in this scene, you get <laughs> something that i'd forgotten but it's it's kind of hilarious because there's this guy up in the sails of the ship singing a pirate's life for me yeah and he's specifically referencing how short a pirate's life is and captain Hook <laughs> shoots him and <laughs> him. shoots him down <laughs> <laughs> and, t- and technically like on its face like he's just committed murder there shouldn't be hilarious but the comedic timing in this is <laughs> <It's>
0: so great <laughs>
1: plus the death happening off screen with the falling accordion noise and the splash it <laughs> just made it hilarious <laughs> i hadn't i hadn't remembered like everything with the pirates it's almost like a looney tunes cartoon it is like the pirates are basically just looney tunes
0: <laughs> yeah that's a really good point and i remember, i think that's one of the reasons also that was so appealing to me as a kid because mm-hmm. the pirates were a bit scary and edgy but it wasn't like terror, you know, terrifying. It was just more like they were. They provided so much humor, yeah, and and also I think their character designs, you know, lend to that. The whole, mm-hmm. you know, I think with Looney Tunes because they're all all different shapes and and sizes and yeah. facial expressions. I mean, they they look kind of like classic movie pirates, but still. Yeah. But they are
1: closer in design to Looney Tunes than to like a classic Disney character. Oh, for
0: sure. Absolutely. There's because there's, I think the character designs are so stylized and I, and really played the thing, you know, for humor.
1: Yeah. Even when they're getting murdered.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know that, and how he's singing the pirate song. I mean, he's like kind of this operatic singer with an accordion yeah oh, anyway it well it's
1: it's so also fun. hilarious because you after he's dead, Smee just kind of scolds Captain Hook for shooting a man in the middle of his cadenza, <laughs> which is apparently part of a song. which I had never known that, I had to look it up and. And On Wikipedia, it says, in music, a cadenza is generically an improvised or written-out ornamental passage played or sung by a soloist or soloists, usually in a free rhythmic style and often allowing virtuosic display. It says, during this time, the accompanist will rest or sustain a note or chord, which is literally what he was doing. (laughs) So somebody knew music when they wrote that line. wrote
0: that line. That's a great line. And delivered perfectly by Mr. Smee.
1: Yes, but I never knew what he was saying, because I always thought he was saying that he was shooting him in the middle of his credenza, Uh, which is like a display cabinet. (laughs) And the line never made sense to me when I was younger. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure
0: I didn't get it when I was young either, but then, you know... I learned about Cadenzas somehow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <And> music stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then it just makes me laugh every time. Well, and again, kind of dark, but also I feel like it was appropriate because, you know, as we said, Captain Hook's unhinged, but Captain Hook is not a nice person. Mm-hmm. And I like how that demonstrates it. Like, he'll kill you. Yeah. He's not like some, you know, villain with a heart of gold or something. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> He's, he's a bad dude.
1: Yeah. This scene is also where you find out the backstory of the crocodile, which is how he got his hook. Peter Pan apparently has cut off his hand, thrown it to the crocodile, who loved the taste so much that he now follows Captain Hook he wherever he man. goes.
0: I love that crocodile so much. Yes. Yeah. It's so perfectly animated and uh, just so funny. I mean, the side gags in this movie, I think, are so, are so tremendous
1: this this is where it really became apparent that anything but the pirates is basically a Looney Tunes cartoon because Captain Hook just freaks out at this thing
0: oh yeah and
1: he like he climbs Smee like a telephone pole which is ridiculous considering Smee is like half his <laughs> SME, height Smee I know
0: is like <laughs> three feet tall or something <laughs>
1: and I also loved that Smee went and scolded the crocodile he says shame on you there'll be no handouts today which is a hilarious pun <laughs> And was... <laughs> i don't even know if they meant that as a pun but i thought it it's a because... great
0: pun it's just it's so funny and and again mr smee's perfect delivery and the perfect animation of mr mm-hmm. smee
1: but i also thought after this it was like why doesn't captain hook just shoot the crocodile right
0: <laughs> it's like just take him out with one of your cannons or something but
1: it, it was like it, it practically served itself up to him because it crawled up on a rock and it's standing on yeah. its hind legs. It's, it's like this right is the perfect there. target.
0: Yeah. Or somebody stab something.
1: <laughs> so then you get Smee trying to calm him down by giving him a shave. Oh, my goodness. Which ends up shave accidentally shaving a bird, thinking <laughs> that he has accidentally cut off his head. Cut
0: off his head! <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and another indication that this is basically Looney Tunes because he thinks that he can just find the head and put it back on and it'll be right.
0: fine. Right? <laughs> no, it's just it's so funny and they're just so silly.
1: And then this is interrupted by somebody citing Peter Pan returning with the darlings. Yeah. So they they decide to shoot him down with a cannon, and oh, yeah.
0: they shoot up into the clouds.
1: I like how they can just stand on the clouds like their
0: platforms. Yeah, they're just, just just hanging out like Mary Poppins does, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I like how they and they can like can dodge the can you know how they dodge yeah. the cannonball.
1: Yeah, he says that he will draw their fire and he sends them off with Tinkerbell to get out of there while he's distracting them.
0: But of course, speaking, speaking of murder, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Tinkerbell is still extremely jealous and decides to fly ahead, leave them in the dust. And she goes to the Lost Boys to tell him that there's a terrible Wendy bird coming and they need to shoot it down. And this in, in this scene as she's flying, there was this one very brief shot that I thought was really interesting. I don't think I'd ever noticed it before. As she's going into the hideout, it's like she's underneath a pool, Like, there's fish above her, and they, like, look down at her out of the water. Like, there's ripples around them. So, it's like there's a pool of water floating above them underground. I don't know if you ever noticed that. It's so short. It's just a brief scene.
0: I have noticed that. Again, I think just because this has been in my life so long, I haven't really thought about it other than, well, that's kind of an inventive way to keep yourself hidden. (laughs) But... I mean, it's not like to have some pane of glass. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> not. It's like it's like some aquarium. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> they look down. Like, there's yeah. ripples around them as they're looking out above her. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think I'd ever noticed that before. Like I said, I'd only seen it a couple times when I was a kid. Though mm-hmm. so I was watching the scene, I was like, wait, what did I just see? And I had to rewind it. I was like, she's flying underneath a pond or something, which yeah. is a cool visual. Yeah of course her plan is foiled peter gets there just in time to save wendy and i love how she just flies off in a rage burning red and like she actually burns through a leaf as she's flying yeah
0: as she flies because <laughs> as we are talking about i love it when she's yeah <laughs> red, just so mad and uh that great expression on her face and just you know just pure anger
1: hmm I also love Michael's reaction. Are you hurted, Wendy? I
0: know. <laughs> Isn't that cute? He's so cute. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of lines, but they all—I think—they all land really well.
1: Yes. And of course, Tinkerbell's her treachery is discovered because the Lost Boys are all eager to claim that they were the one who hit the Wendy bird. And they tell Peter what had happened, and I love how proud she is of her terribleness. Yeah, (laughs) she freely she's
0: She's unapologetic.
1: (laughs) So Peter banishes her forever, but Wendy pleads on her behalf for some reason, even though she just tried to murder her. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Wendy is a forgiving soul. Yeah, so Wendy,
0: yeah, just lets it go.
1: So Peter reduces her banishment to just a week.
0: The mercy that Peter shows.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So then they all split up to have separate adventures with John and Michael wanting to see the Indians and Wendy wanting to see the mermaids. And this is where you get another iconic song with following the leader.
0: Following the leader. I mean, speaking of Looney Tunes, that scene is so weird. But funny. (laughs) You know, all those, those animal encounters that they have that are just kind of all...
1: Yeah, there's a lot of accidental. random animals all over the island.
0: Yeah, rhinos, orangutans. But a catchy song, a fun. Yeah, I think it's a fun. That's a fun sequence.
1: Yeah, and this ends with them finding footprints and John saying that they must plan a strategy. And I, I love how it was like they were playing into the stereotype of the indians in insulting them but then finding out that they're if the stereotype is completely untrue because he says remember the indian is cunning but not intelligent and they're immediately captured
0: yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) it's like well john i think it might be the other way around (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and Obviously, with this scene, there's now a lot of now cringy stereotypes that play here. But I like that the Indians aren't like vilified, like you would right. find in a lot of other media of the time.
0: Yeah, it's it's super cringy. It earned the warning, yeah, uh, the cultural warning on a on Disney Plus as it you know deserves.
1: Uh, Especially with the song "The Red Man Red." Label. The what makes the red man red? Yeah, yeah. that that's yeah. probably the worst part of the movie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's a hard that's a hard part. I think that's that's a hard part to watch. You know, as a more as a mature adult. <laughs> and, yeah, because as a kid, I didn't understand it.
1: I, but, I don't think I thought anything of it at the time.
0: Yeah, but then, but today, and then just plus, I think just with modern sensibilities, it's just not. It's not great. I don't. I mean, I, I hope they weren't trying to be mean. I think they were. You know, again, playing.
1: No, I don't think playing so. for
0: comedy at you know. At the expense, though, of um, yeah. Native American brothers and sisters.
1: I think, uh, like Walt Disney, like every, a lot of people today want to call him a racist, but I don't think that he he probably wasn't what you would call racially sensitive. But I don't think that anything that he did was with the intent of right putting someone down. That's so. And how I a lot of stuff he did because he thought he was going to be helping various peoples or cultures. Yeah. I don't know if he had that thought with the Indians. I kind yeah. of I don't know that he put much thought into the Indian scene actually because it was mostly played for comedy.
0: And also, I can't remember. I mean, I know that this, reflecting on the source material, I believe that you know there the, 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 there are Indians in the book. Yeah. And I think there were definitely Indians in that Mary Martin play, you know, that that particular Interpretation of the story.
1: There always have been, like, yeah. I'm. I know it's cut from the book, but I think most versions use them in some way.
0: Yeah, because Tiger Lily, right, is such a primary character.
1: Yeah, she's like one of the most iconic Peter Pan characters.
0: Yeah, but anyway, I, I think you said it right. It's cringy, a bummer. Although I do applaud the people at Disney how they're keeping these scenes in. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll put on Disney Plus, and they'll put they'll put a warning. Yeah, but they're not cutting them out. Which I mean, you know, we'll never ever get to see Song of the South in a Disney sanctioned. <laughs> you know, um <laughs> uh, still, I kind of wish that they would, but with you know, with some context.
1: I mean, they've now built in like the age gate thing because they've got all those like TV MA Marvel shows from Netflix. which are behind an age gate so they could do something similar with song of the south if they wanted to yeah yeah but i think i feel mostly the same as rachel in that song of the south is not that great of a movie yeah not 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 even talking about the racial stuff it's like (laughs) i was kind of bored (laughs) with most of it (laughs)
0: it's it's not that great of a film and i mean the best part are you know the animation Yeah. yeah
1: yeah Anyways, back with the Indians, one thing that I did really like in this scene was that they gave the teddy bear his own little stake with (laughs) tied him to an arrow.
0: (laughs) It's teddy bear. (laughs) I like that, too.
1: And this is where you get the reveal that this time, even though in the past this has all been a game, they're not playing this time because Tiger Lily is missing.
0: Tiger Lily has been kidnapped, yeah.
1: They think that the Lost Boys were behind it somehow. Yeah. So then, back with Peter and Wendy, he's taken her to see the mermaids, who immediately try to murder her as well.
0: Yeah, I'm mean speaking of like these people.
1: Are these this you whole, know, the whole island has it out for her. Apparently,
0: yeah. poor Wendy. It's like get out while you can, girlfriend. <laughs> and the mermaids are mean too. I mean, was, I mean, they're murderous, but yeah.
1: It reminded me of like catty high school girls. Yes. All fawning over the same dumb jock.
0: (laughs) It's like mean girls (laughs) or Peter Pan.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And again, Peter is not the greatest character here because he thinks that they're hilarious. Right. Although I will admit that the we were only trying to drown her line is funny. (laughs)
0: that's right
1: it wouldn't be funny if it was real but
0: yeah it's just so passe like oh you know (laughs) we were only trying
1: to drown her (laughs) (laughs) and at this point hook shows up and the mermaids flee in terror this is where you see that their plan has been followed through they have tiger lily yeah they're taking her to skull rock to interrogate her
0: they're going to skull rock you know, I'm going to bore you with a little bit more Disneyland history, Jonathan, sorry, but so the Fantasyland area uh, originally, it had like a life-size Skull Rock and a pirate ship. Mm-hmm. And of course there was the Peter Pan ride, but this, the pirate ship was a restaurant where you could get, it was sponsored by Chicken of the Sea. So you could get tuna fish sandwiches on
1: I remember his. hearing that Chicken of the Sea had some sort of promotional thing. Yeah. Book, but I don't think I'd realized it was supposed to be Captain Hook's pirate ship.
0: <laughs> and then Skull, just having that Skull Rock there was so cool. It was really well lit at night. I just remember, I remember really loving it. It got removed when they did a big remodel of Fantasyland. And I and this new Fantasyland, I'd take it any day over, you know, the the one they used to have. But um, I do miss the Skull Rock. However. At Disneyland Paris, they put in a Skull Rock and a pirate ship. The pirate ship is more just kind of like a kind of a play area, and you can actually walk through Skull Rock too. So if, no longer can you can get a, a tuna fish sandwich, but uh <laughs> but still, it's fun that it got put back, you know, into a into a Disney park. But st- anyway, so I I love I love 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 Skull Rock. I think that it just is a just a foreboding design, you know. And then when they go inside, mm-hmm. that's that this that, this is a I think a very Exciting sequence coming up,
1: yeah. Really great location, yeah. So, Captain Hook is planning to leave Tiger Lily on a tiny rock and says that
0: speaking he'll, drowning,
1: <laughs> yes, he'll set her free if she tells him where they can find Peter Pan. And he asks me if he is not a man of his word. And Smee crosses his fingers and says, Always, Captain, that <laughs> <laughs> great. Of course, Tiger Lily refuses to tell him anything, and Peter tries to free her, first by pretending to be an evil spirit to scare them off, but then once he gets them separated, he pretends to be Captain Hook, calling out of the cave for Mr. Smee to return Tiger Lily to her people, and then you have a bunch of back and forth between them as he's trying to figure out who's real, because, of course, Captain Hook did not say this, and he tells him to put her back, and then... Eventually, everything is revealed, which leads to this big sword fight and the crocodile showing up to try and eat Captain Hook. And th- this whole thing is basically a Looney Tunes cartoon.
0: Yes, it is. Slapstick, but I love it. You know how mm-hmm. Captain Hook keeps yeah, having these problems. Is this, I know Excuse me. to be this way, maybe in the end, but this is one where the crocodile is, is like vertical and Captain Hook has his. Beat on either side of his mouth <laughs> keeps, yeah like, doing the splits kind of I, thing. That, that may happen have happened more this... than once but yes. yeah that's true seems like this is one of them
1: the crocodile comes very close to eating him multiple times
0: well I just picture you see like Mr. Smee's trying to row him out and he's standing cabinet standing up and then the like the because you know, the tide is rising mm-hmm. and so Captain slams you know against the <laughs> the entrance <laughs> To the to the cove, anyway, the whole thing and just great, kind of classic cartoon sound effects.
1: Uh huh. yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm with you, Looney Tunes.
1: Eventually, they are chased off just in time for Wendy to remind Peter that Tiger Lily is about to drown. Yeah. I was like, oh, by the way. <laughs> and then he saves her just in time and completely forgets about Wendy. Yeah. Leaving her behind, she's like trying to flap her arms. She's just gonna flap her arms
0: him. and fly off. <laughs>
1: And then you get back to the pirate ship, and there's more Looney Tunes antics with Smee berating somebody for making noise. Meanwhile, he's pounding ha- nails into a sign on the door <laughs> because Captain Hook has a headache after the crocodile encounter, and he also accidentally hammers him in the head. And <laughs> he he that he then tries again in vain to convince them that they need to leave the island because apparently there's woman trouble a Bruin. <laughs> <laughs> and it's no place for a respectable pirate <laughs> he tells her about tinkerbell's banishment and her jealousy of wendy and of course this gives him an idea he declares that a jealous female can be tricked into anything so their new plan is to find tinkerbell and get her to tell where peter pan is hiding and then of course probably the worst part of the movie <laughs> back at the indian camp Tiger Lily has been returned. Everybody's been freed, and you get the song "What Made the Red Man Red."
0: Yeah, yeah, the song we were just talking about. Yeah, that's every stereotype.
1: Some of it, it's like it's not even based on a stereotype. They just wanted to write some now cringy jokes.
0: Yeah, like, cringy. You're trying to be, you know, honey, or I don't know what. Yeah, what would you call it? But
1: yeah, like I don't. Is Cringe. there? I don't know that there's any lore that says. The red man is red because he blushed. Right. It seems like they were trying to make up their own just so story. Yeah. I like, I, I don't know just, that I've ever heard that anywhere else.
0: Yeah. I don't, I'm with you. I don't think it's necessarily based on any, anything. It was other than they were just trying to make kind of a funny, mm-hmm. a funny thing, you know, a Native American expense. It's not, it's not great. Well, and then also the whole thing about Wendy you know since she's since she's a woman she has to go get the
1: firewood oh, yeah i i also wonder like they tell her that she has to collect firewood because squaw no dance but yeah there are other women dancing tiger lily's dancing so why do exactly. they pick on her specifically
0: so again is it just you know more just like wendy persecution
1: yes <laughs> or... it's like everybody hates wendy in this <laughs> yeah. movie oh
0: Poor
1: Wendy. <laughs> I do remember, though, like I said, like, I didn't think too much of any of this when I was a kid. But I remember being very confused by when people would call Indians red. Like, they're not red. <laughs> like, in real yeah. life, I was, I was always so confused by that. Like, why do they think that they're red? Yeah. I yeah. still don't really know why a they call very them red. Fine, a very it's fine a stereotype. My friend. But I don't know where it came from.
0: <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, not a good one.
1: But yeah, Wendy eventually gets sick of the treatment and leaves on her own. She's also just kind of appalled by everyone's behavior because yeah. nobody is behaving well. Her brothers are be- behaving badly, and she's just yeah, over it all.
0: And uh, Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And of course, while all this is happening, Tinkerbell is being captured. Captain Hook convinces her to help him get rid of Wendy. She makes him promise not to harm Peter, which is obviously a lie. Yeah. And then reveals that the secret entrance to the hideout is in Hangman's Tree. And, of course, he's lied, so he grabs her, locks her in a lantern, and then they all set out, leaving her behind.
0: Yeah. That's a great scene. I love how Captain Duck plays the piano. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) With his hook. And Uh I kind of feel like, you know how entangled how there's that one scene that oh yeah like that i wonder if they took some inspiration from i you
1: bet know, so
0: from that but that just cracks me up great yeah. animation and, and just it, it really works and again showing just how devious captain hook is and mm-hmm. i love how they put the ink on tinkerbell's feet you know that she like yeah. toss around the map and shows you know finally in a way tinkerbell kind of turns a corner right yes you see kind of the horror on her face when she realizes what she's done and and uh
1: I think that's one reason that I am more okay with her being so terrible at the beginning than I am with Peter Pan because she like has character growth at this point I don't know that Peter Pan ever gets over his narcissism (laughs)
0: Peter Pan is just he never he never changes although he's more you know more forgiving he takes some days off at Tinkerbell's sentence, you know. When she comes to say, she
1: comes to save him. So benevolent,
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: So after this, everybody starts arriving back home, and Wendy informs John and Michael that they're leaving in the morning. Of course, they don't like this idea, and Peter forbids them from leaving and marches out. And Michael seems to have forgotten about their mother, even though they've only been gone for like, yeah, like less a than day. a day. <laughs> yeah and all the lost boys can't remember theirs either so wendy sings them your mother and mine
0: which i love that sequence it's kind of like tenderhearted, and catherine beaumont has a lovely voice yeah and uh i just thought that whole thing kind of you know works as a transition point where now they just realize yeah we we need to go home you mm-hmm. know at least you know wendy wendy john and michael although the lost boys are melancholy for a mother
1: mm-hmm. too Right. Well, at the at the end of the song, they decide to go with them. They event, they ultimately do not leave with them, but they all want to at this point. Yeah, yeah. But while she's singing, the pirates are surrounding the tree, and yep. by the end of the song, the pirates are also like in tears, thinking of their own mothers. <laughs> I know. And the the song has convinced them all to leave immediately. Not even wait till morning. So they decide to leave now, and Peter is angry he tells them they can leave but once they're gone they'll grow up and they can never return and none of the lost boys seem to mind they all head out and are immediately captured by the pirates and captain hook leaves a present behind for peter to find later
0: yeah a little present that's gonna explode
1: yes and then they're taken to the pirate ship and all of the children are offered via song the chance to join captain hook's crew
0: which is another great i love that song
1: yeah and it
0: has and choreography dancing (laughs) and
1: then this offer is barely an offer because the only alternative is to walk the plank
0: yeah it's like you sign or you walk a plank so (laughs) your choice
1: And all the boys seem really eager to join, but Wendy tells them off and refuses, saying that Peter Pan will save them. But Captain Hook laughs at this and reveals that the present they left behind was actually a time bomb set to go off at six o'clock, which is in 18 seconds, and Tinkerbell freaks out at this, knocks over her lantern, smashes her way out, and speeds out the window to warn Peter. She gets there just in time to rip it out of his hands, but not fast enough to save the home, and everything blows up. He survives though, and he's yeah. combing through the rubble trying to find Tinkerbell, telling her that she means more to him than anything else in the world. Which is like the most human thing that he's ever done. The least narcissistic.
0: You know, it's 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 the only really nice, I guess, kind of how he helps a little at the, more at the end of the film is is is, is kind of nice too. But but this really is the only nice gesture, <laughs> that, yeah, that he offers.
1: Yeah, kinda he does find her before her light goes out and the light going out would mean that she was dead
0: yeah and that really, i think is a real homage to the play too uh,
1: yeah cuz i i've never seen the play but i've read about the play isn't yeah. there a thing where like they have an audience response thing
0: yes where they have
1: to what do they, they, do? Have, they have to clap they have their to hands to and say i clap do clap their hands
0: There's, yeah or something like that that uh to, to yeah make sure the that, that Tinkerbell's light doesn't doesn't go
1: out yeah but yeah she survives and they fly back just in time to rescue wendy who was the first one made to walk the plank and then the pirates all think that the ship is cursed since there's no splash and they think that it's a ghost when peter appears because they saw the explosion and they think he's dead yeah and then you get another basically looney tunes cartoon as they battle the pirates
0: oh that whole pirate battle again that was another childhood favorite you know just because so much action and great humor i love how you know michael puts the cannonball i was just gonna say
1: my favorite part is michael loading his teddy bear with a cannonball
0: (laughs) isn't that great
1: and of course the crocodile shows up as well and he's just hanging out below waiting for a snack to fall in (laughs) (laughs) eventually though peter is able to basically defeat captain hook he ties him up in the pirate flag forces him to admit that he's a codfish and all the lost boys start chanting, "Hook is a codfish. Hook is a codfish." While the crocodile is dancing along to the chant. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably my favorite crocodile scene. Yeah. His yeah, little dance.
0: <laughs> isn't he did a little dance, and then he kind of like <laughs> has his hands together, you know, like with his fingers, like, you know, kind of the very villainous. Right. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know what you call that gesture, but you know, yeah, <laughs> tapping his fingers together
1: and peter declares victory but it was premature because hook escapes and tries to stab him in the back but he falls overboard much to the delight of the crocodile yeah and you get more looney tunes antics as the crocodile tries to eat him
0: yeah that's such a yeah this is, and so and they just go off into the sunset if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah. Well, my the, my Sweet. favorite my favorite bit of this whole thing is when Hook is launched out of his mouth, and it's just the animation and the sound design as he's skipping across the water. <laughs> he's skipping <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: the sound effects they used, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it was great
0: as he's whizzing across the water. It's almost like a speedboat or something.
1: Yeah, he's like speed, <laughs>
0: yeah. That's really fun, and so I also like it too that nobody died, other than you know, I guess the accordion player <laughs> dies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> but Smee, you know, Captain Hook and Smee are still left to you know fight, fight, fight out with the alligator. I mean, excuse me, with the crocodile, with the croc.
1: Yeah. Though so after this, Peter takes over the ship. He declares himself Captain Pan. And he tells wendy that they're setting sail for london
0: and yeah so i thought that that was a nice that was the other one i thought was a pretty nice gesture that peter was willing
1: yes. to take them home yeah i guess he does have a little bit of a character arc here as he's and, resigned himself that they're leaving and decides to help them get home
0: and this scene is just one i just love this too i mean you know i love pretty much everything about this movie but uh how the pixie that's kind of turns the boat to gold yeah and the music's great because it's yeah. it's it's uh yeah it's just got that, that wonderful orchestration which is pretty i think a pretty magical scene
1: mm-hmm so back in london we hear mary telling george that she's glad he changed his mind about wendy and he dismisses it saying oh you know i never mean these things
0: george is chilled out yeah yes they had a good party <laughs>
1: <laughs> and they get upstairs and find Wendy sleeping at the nursery's open window and she wakes up and tries to tell them what happened and she points out the window to I, I think it's supposed to be Peter's ship but it's made of clouds so I'm not like again I don't really know what the lore is yeah. here like well if it,
0: and, and again just as we were talking about it the first you know my interpretation of it is just, again it's just one of those things did it really happen or was it just a dream, you know, mm-hmm. kind of lead tomorrow. It was just a dream, but still, uh, that whole scene. And again, with Mr. Darling's response to it, it just makes me feel like the, that, uh, the importance of always in a way being childlike, even though you're in a, you know, in a, an adult living in the, in the adult world, mm-hmm. but, uh, keeping that that sense of wonder keeping your imagination mm-hmm. going is a is a happy thing even if you're mr darling
1: <laughs> yeah this is where he says he has the strangest feeling he's seen that ship before when he was yeah. very young and yeah. that's where the movie ends
0: as they are as as wendy and her parents are looking out of the scene you know, out of that window into the sky yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then the you can fly reprise happens again with that great little chorus that you know <laughs> they used <laughs> earlier in the movie i just you know, think like you can fly for singing i should say mm-hmm. <laughs> you can fly
1: so that's peter pan it was different than i expected like i said i had not seen it since i was a little kid so a lot of it was fresh for me mm-hmm. and i don't I don't think I loved it as much as I love a lot of other old Disney movies, but there was a lot about it that I did like, even if I wasn't too crazy about a lot of the characters. There's still a lot of stuff in this movie that is iconic and entertaining and hilarious. So it's still definitely worth watching, even if it's not perfect.
0: And I wonder too, if I really hadn't enjoyed the story so much as a child, how I'd view it now. You know, because I, I, uh, Mm -hmm. so I really appreciate hearing your viewpoint about that. Because I wonder if I'd, would probably feel the same.
1: It's one of those things where it's different for people who grew up with the story because Mm -hmm. they have nostalgia clouding their vision. I guess.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's it's pure nostalgia.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but there is a lot in here that I mean, this the nostalgia is warranted. The music is great. The animation is great. The stories about how the movie was made is really great certain scenes and character motivations may not be the greatest but other than that it's still as a movie it's still entertaining and worth watching yeah even just for the historical value that's that's how i view a lot of these it's just it's interesting from a historical perspective just to see the history of disney and what they did throughout the years
0: and I'll be anxious to talk with you about it when you get to r- ride the ride at Disney Park. <laughs> and see and see what you think.
1: <laughs> yeah, that will be interesting too. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know too much about the rides. I know like the names of rides, mm-hmm. but I don't know too much about them. I'll it'll be interesting to see. Yes. What, what they're like and what Jenna thinks is worth riding. I feel like I've heard that this one. Is one oh I can't remember. Is this one where there's like a lot of people the always for this one?
0: It's huge like it's 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 always has a really long line. And okay. part of the problem is because it's a slow, you know, you're you're getting into this little pirate vehicle that only holds like two or three people mm. and and it's it's a slow, it's just kind of slow to get on, and then it's really short. So um yeah, it's one of those where unless it's a real sentimental favorite I think some people don't want to wait in the line I you know I typically will wait in the line for Peter Pan <laughs> <Mann>. because <laughs> it's 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 you know one of my favorite rides there but other people I've talked to think it's you know overrated or yeah not worth it mm. and again I just wonder what their feeling is about the movie and and if it's you know if it's sentimental to them then probably it's not if they don't want you know, they're kind of thinking it's me
1: okay well i think that will be the end of this episode but we will be back next week to talk about return to neverland which i have yes. a feeling will not hold the same nostalgia value for him <laughs> <laughs> Until then, do you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you?
0: Yes. So on Twitter, I'm at Stanford Clark, and I have a movie podcast and blog at moviespastandpresent.com.
1: Okay. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to every version ever. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and follow my co-hosts as well. My link tree and all of our links will be in the description below. If you want more of my content, all my podcasts are available on YouTube as well as most podcast platforms. If you enjoyed this show, check out one of the other podcasts or check out my Patreon for bonus and extended episodes you won't find anywhere else. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.